Hey guys, on today's episode, we're going to have Chris Mason from Oldwood Custom Cabinets. Hey everyone. Yeah, and we learned a lot about business processes, cabinetry, home building, and how that all ties together in success. All right, guys, I hope you enjoy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mishmash Men Podcast. Today, we have a special episode. You're here with me, Dustin Labar. To my direct and immediate left, Mr. Adam Mauser. How do you do? And then we have a very special guest all the way to Adam's left. Also my left, mm-hmm. but Adam's left as well, is Mr. Christopher Mason. How's it going? It's going well, Chris. Good. Thanks for asking. Yeah. Are you ready for your podcast to blow up now? Are you going to make it blow up? Yeah, it's going to be gonna, like 20 million views. Is this going to go on your social media? Yeah. Okay, no, nice. probably not. Uh, okay. Well, that's cool. <clears> Thanks. That's Thanks a lot. I appreciate your it. Your website? <laughs> Maybe. Okay. So it'll be... Chris Mason, uh, known from Mishmash Men Podcast, yeah. Yeah. formerly Oldwood Custom Cabinets. Right. Yeah. Um, so Chris is a has been on Reaching for the Bars mm-hmm. twice, right? Yeah, you were yeah. on the Road yep. episode, and then mm-hmm. you were, came in as a guest. That's right. Uh, he's a fan of both podcasts. And is he, that true? I listen every week. Yeah, okay, yep. he does. He'll text, he'll text me about some stuff. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like how he threw in subscribe there, as if he doesn't listen. He's like, yep, subscribed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I definitely subscribe. Um, so Chris is a local business owner. Mm-hmm. He d- has a company called Oldwood Custom Cabinets, and we actually, my company, actually uses Chris from time to time. So I can vouch for his his uh, his workmanship. Uh, but I think it's a fairly interesting story. Um, how you got into cabinets. Mm-hmm. And so, and then I think we could talk about some, my favorite thing to talk about with people that own businesses is uh, horrible uh, customers, <laughs> which I'm sure you have many because you do high-end cabinets and high-end customers come with high-end issues. Um, but first, so I'm going to ask and then tell the story because this is how I understand it. Okay. But you, your dad was an actual home builder, correct? Is that correct. how you guys got into it? So tell us, tell us how that went from where it was to what it is. Yeah. So, um, I always like to tell people, especially clients, um, I, I don't know if it's like this in Alabama. So I was born in Texas and for some reason on your birth certificate from Texas, it has the occupation of the father. And so it says home building. And so I always tell people I've been in home building my whole life. It's even on my birth certificate. And that's true. That is true. I'd like to see it, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so <clears throat> quick story, how we got to Huntsville is my dad did some work uh, for a developer who skipped town and didn't pay anybody. And he tracked him down to Huntsville and came to get his money because he was uh-huh. young dad. Yeah. And uh, this was mid eighties and Huntsville of course was, you know, the desperate for builders. Uh, so he found a place to live and packed wow. up the family. And we've been in home building ever since. Um, what, what part of Texas did you come from? So my family's from Houston, shout out Gabby. Um, <laughs> I was born in Austin, and so that's where we were living when he came here. Um, And the way we got into cabinets is my dad and my brother were home builders, and they did custom homes this whole time, and then they started doing um, just, you know, some regular houses. Uh, And so they were having a really hard time finding a reliable cabinet company. So something that's just very unfortunately very common in the cabinet industry is since it's not a licensed trade, Mm -hmm. like anybody can become a cabinet maker just Mm -hmm. by having like a table saw. Right. And so what you find is guys that start cabinet companies that live way out in the sticks or, you know, they started in like an old 
chicken house. Mm -hmm. And so what happens a lot is um, they'll take the, you know, they get this large deposit for cabinetry and then just bolt. Gotcha. And so that happened a couple times with my dad. It happens a lot. I still hear stories from clients all the time where that happens. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so they were just like, okay, well, we're just going to start making our own cabinets because we Mm -hmm. can't find someone reliable. And so, uh, and that was around the time of 2006 and seven. And then when the housing market crashed, they just got out of home building and stuck with cabinetry. Um, and that kind of is what propelled my life into cabinetry. For me, I actually went to college and studied exercise science. Oh, I didn't uh, know that. <clears throat> yep. Huh. So I was on track to go to physical therapy. Like that, That's what I wanted to okay. do. Uh, went four and a half years and, you know, towards the end was the housing crash. And so I was supporting myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so had you met Emily yet? No, this okay. is, this is before that. Um, and I basically just ran out of money. I, I went four and a half years without graduating because I had changed my major. So I was like, well, I'm going to come back to Huntsville and work and then I'll go back and finish and then go to PT school. Uh, came back and actually worked at a farm, uh, that's very similar to what Adam used to do. And uh, a little bit like what James used to do, it was, uh, we call it like a lunar farm, but if you know Joel Salatin. Oh, yeah. So it was that style of farming. Yeah. So we had Berkshire hogs, yeah. uh, we had beef, and then we had egg chickens year-round, and then we did broilers. Um, but it's the style of farming where you move animals around yeah. and it regenerates mm-hmm. the earth. Uh, Adam talked about that recently on the podcast. Um, yeah, and really important. Yeah. So with hogs, it's really important because uh, this was in like a valley of two mountains. And so we would move them out throughout the woods. Um, and it actually regenerates hardwood growth because yeah. they eat acorns and things like that and then poop them out and fertilizes it. Um, yeah. So worked there. Uh, it was really tough. And then finally got a job at a physical therapy clinic and then decided I did not want to pursue physical therapy. Uh, just was not a good return on investment mm-hmm. in my opinion, because PT school is very expensive and I just kind of fell out of love with it. And then that kind of started my like, okay, then what was the point of college? Sure. And so, right. um, Really started, I was always a big fan of micro, um, but uh, just really kind of leaned into like just looking at trades. Like what else is there other than college? Like now I'm in debt (laughs) and there's, I wasted all this time. Um, So I was like, well, I just, I don't want to go back. So then I got into manufacturing and just to, you know, have a good job. Paid really well and I fell in love with it. I loved manufacturing systems um, and I excelled in that. And then it was during that time is when I met Emily and we got married and, um, the schedule was just not great. It was mm-hmm. a swing shift. Ooh, that's the worst. Yeah. Uh, it was 12 hour shifts, but, uh, anyways, I still loved it. And my dad and my brother had the cabinet company at this time and they needed help. And I did not want to go work for them. Okay. Uh, that's not something I wanted to do. Was it old wood custom cabinets at that point? No. Okay. Um, is that, you want to go into why you didn't want to? Is it like you've done it before and you had a taste for it? Like, yeah, I don't want to do that. I want to do something different, be my own man. I'm yeah, I'm a pretty independent person from my family. I didn't want to do anything in the family business or Mm -hmm. anything like that. Uh, you know, don't really agree with how my dad runs a business, things like that. Um, uh, love my dad. Just, you know, I just didn't want to be a part of that family business essentially. And so, but they needed help. 
and Emily wanted me to have a better schedule. Uh. And so she kind of convinced me to go work for them. And so I did that. And then about three or four years after working with them is really when things started to like, because of my, my love of manufacturing and systems and just seeing how much more improvement there could be in the cabinet industry for a business. Cause what a lot of guys will do is they're good carpenters, mm-hmm. but they're terrible businessmen. Right. Sure. And so, uh, and to me, that's just, you know, especially with my, at this point, passion for people, I, there's a place for people to go to universities. There's mm-hmm. degrees that are helpful, but it's also a big business and a lot of people get in debt for no reason. For, yeah, 100%. Um, it's kind really, of an inflated uh, market right now. Yeah, I mean, you have people fighting for jobs that don't require degrees and mm-hmm. with, you know, they have bachelor's degrees. Right. You know, they're right. fighting for those jobs. Um, so eventually, which kind of that kind of came to a head uh, where I saw an opportunity for cabinetry to be a, v- a very legitimate business. Mm-hmm. And so it was in 2000, in the beginning, it was actually Valentine's Day of 2018 uh, is when I incorporated. Oldwood Custom Cabinets. Oh, wow. I and didn't then, realize it was that recent. And it was a mutual thing between my dad, my brother, and me, and that me and my brother would go do that. Okay. And so, and he hung in with cabinets for a little bit, and he's in back into home building slightly. Oh, he does now? Mm-hmm. In Huntsville? Yeah. Oh, he's wow. doing like one. Someone like wanted him to come back and do it. I so, gotcha. I gotcha. Uh, so he had cabinets. He still had a cabinet company while you were running your cabinet company? Absolutely. You put him right out of business. It was all somewhat mutual. I mean, it's tough because it's family, you know, relations, but uh, it was very good for everybody. And, uh, and then I was able to create uh, like a, a healthy business. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, having that mindset of having processes and uh, systems, not only just for to be a good cabinet company, but also I wanted my company to be a place where someone with no experience could come in and start a career. Mm-hmm. That was very important to me because there is a massive skills gap where all of these good carpenters and good tradesmen are either dying or retiring and there's nobody replacing them. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And so that was the biggest passion for me was to be able to have a place for somebody to come in with no experience and make a good living and learn a trade. Mm-hmm. And so... That's what we've been able to do. We're actually a what we call as a True Thirty Two certified cabinet company, um, and I could I could hire someone off the street that has no experience, and they could assemble a cabinet the next day. Gotcha. Um, and so, very proud of that. Uh, that's kind of my passion with uh, cabinetry and just doing interesting things and trying to do things that other cabinet companies can't do. Yeah. Essentially, you know, my son worked. Uh, my oldest son, the one he just turned thirty. He, we had just moved up here and he got a job with, uh, Mark Kirkland, Kirkland cabinets mm-hmm. or two yeah. Kirkland companies mm-hmm. that made cabinets. That's right. And I don't know if, I don't know if the, the Mark Kirkland's still in business. His, this place has moved once while we still knew him. And then there's one off 53 and then there's one in Hazel Green. Okay. Well, They're he both worked, Kirkland and I don't know which one is which. So, uh, but anyway, he worked <clears> for him. In fact, he built, we renovated our home, um, we renovated our home that we lived up in Ardmore, the farm place. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was largely renovated, but the kitchen and the master uh, bath uh, area, they weren't renovated. We did all that. And he built all of our cabinets. Like, he did all the work. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really neat. It, if we would have stayed there, it would have been really nice. Yeah. Uh, but it was, uh, 
he learned a lot. Is it, it was a you know he started off sweeping floors and cutting, mm-hmm. uh, and he he got very good at it. Uh, almost lost a thumb. Yeah, yeah. I was it at work happens. one day. Yeah. <laughs> I was at work one day. You got two. You don't yeah. need. And this yeah, guy, I, my my son's phone is calling me. So and I'm doing a tour with somebody uh, where I worked, and this guy I didn't recognize his voice. He, and I'll I'll do a a reasonable impression of him. Hey, Andrew cut off his thumb. <laughs> We're at the hospital now. And I was like, oh. okay, which hospital? So I booked it out to the hospital and they were able to reattach it. Uh, oh, wow. And so he's good off. to go. But there was a nice, but I, you know, he was, he's very careful like everybody is. And you, yeah. you can appreciate this. Mm-hmm. We've all been there with a the table saw or, yeah. or the worst is the uh, radio alarm saw. Yeah. The key that, is to have a couple more beers. You're not so like stressed. Yeah. That's right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Loosen up. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. But, um, but yeah, he he was just he just got sloppy and almost lost his thumb. He said he just saw blood everywhere, and he's like, and then his yeah. his thumb's just hanging in there. Um, I have a couple questions, and I'm interested yeah. in one one dynamic. You don't have to talk about it too much. Okay. I'm totally interested in your brother and yours dynamic because your brother obviously works for you. Is he your older brother? He is my older he's brother, older, and he a lot of people building. don't realize that. Yeah, I figured he was your older brother, and uh, like one day, so Chris's guys were installing cabinets, and my one of my owners was walking by and he was like, is that the owner? I think I might pop my head and, and, and say something to him. And I was like, I think that, I think that's the owner, Chris's brother. I don't think he's a part owner. I wouldn't say anything about owning anything. I would just be careful. Like, cause he's just in the field. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't say that. He's not just in the field. He's in the field. Mm-hmm. You doing do the install, the business. Right? Yeah. Doing the installs mm-hmm. and whatever stuff. So is there like a weird dynamic there? Or he just truly wants to be a, a, a carpenter in the field. Yeah. Good question. Uh, <clears throat> there is no weird dynamic. Uh, he's my older brother. He does have ownership in the company. Uh, but from day one, he like our, our, the communication that we had back and forth, what you know, he basically told me all I want to do is just, I want to show up and work. Yeah. I don't want to do anything with the business. Mm -hmm. And that's what I want. I need him to do. He is a master carpenter. He's done everything. He's was a framer. He was a trim carpenter. He's a cabinet maker. Um, So he is knowledgeable for all, you know, for all things. And so, um, so yeah, that's the deal. Uh, I have the majority ownership um, and he just wants to show up and work, and we're good with that. Yeah, you typically meet with all the clients and and everything, and he and he he yeah. does the installs, and he does. I mean, he does. I mean, obviously, yeah. I do all of, of the engineering. I do all the design. Uh, I do everything. Basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, But yes, I do everything on the business side as well. As far as well, I don't meet with. I actually have a guy that does some sales and stuff for me now. Is too. that new? Is that pretty new? Uh, he's been with me a little over a year now. Oh, okay. Uh, he was a cabinet maker in Ohio. Had his own company. They moved down here. He worked for a cabinet, another cabinet company here, but it was like, like every other cabinet company, it was like pure chaos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I swooped him up from that company I got you, and brought him on. So he uh, he's works in sales for me as well, but he also does a lot of um, cabinet making as well. So, so he does both. He kind of does some mm-hmm. sales, and does, that's probably yep. a good dual position for a company like that. Yep. Um, I will say this about Chris. So um, I don't know how how much experience you have in home building. Maybe not a lot. Um, so there's a couple things. So first off, there can be a guy that's really a company that's really good. Like they have good carpenters or they're good framers or they're good plumbers or they're good whatever. It ha- it's every trade. But basically, if they're a bad business owner, yeah. you can't work with them <clears throat> because right. they, they never bill right. They're, they you know they're always calling you asking for money. They didn't they didn't put their invoices in right. So you end up having to cut those guys short. So first thing is Chris 
runs it like an actual business. Like it's very, it's professional. The other thing that happens in construction is nothing is ever anybody's fault and nobody ever wants to fix it. Right. So like if there's those a, other guys are the worst, if, the, if there's, those an, other if guys there's are. an issue, they'll be like, can you believe that this guy did this? I'm not yeah. touching it. It's not my fault. When <clears throat> Chris's guys will do go, go above and beyond him, his brother and whoever else he's working with and, and make it work. So like they'll move things around, they'll make things happen, which to somebody that's building a house or somebody that's like a, you know, a builder or subcontractor, you know, a a builder or whatever. um, It's a huge deal because some cabinet guys will either a just pack up and go home. Mm -hmm. They'll be like, oh, there was a plug in the wrong spot. So I just left and I'm not coming back for 10 days. And you're like, okay, Um, because he's got his money and he's just going to go drink or they'll they'll just slap a cabinet on top of a plug and just be like, it's their problem now. Yeah. And that's one of the. Uh, huge benefits of working with Chris is he, well, he runs his business like a business, which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. And then he also, his guys in the field are, you know, for subcontractors, this second to none in terms of like, they'll, even though it's not their fault, they uh, understand it's not their fault, but they're making it work because they're at their part of the job and they don't want to slow their part up, which is a huge benefit, which is, I'm sure something that you Mm -hmm. drill into the guy's heads. Yeah, I mean, I want, <clears throat> because, again, I have seen home building my entire life, so I know how people are in other trades. And so, again, it's not that hard to be different. A, you should just want to have a good business. Uh, Charles Koch talks a lot about this in his book, Good Profit, where uh, you know, if you have a good business, then you're doing a, a service for the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and bad business is bad for the world. Sure. And so no matter what you do, whether you make leather wallets or you engineer steel buildings, like you should operate it as a, like the best business that you could possibly operate it as. Mm-hmm. And so that's just a good thing. And, uh, and I want my guys, when they show up on site, they're uh, the most knowledgeable mm-hmm. and the most willing to do whatever it takes. So if I, there's plenty of times where we're, we're cutting sheetrock and we're moving electrical ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, because electricians can be the worst because they'll show up and if something's not there, they're missing a plug. They'll just, well, I'm going to go to Denny's now for three hours. That's exactly and, right. Yeah. And they just leave. I'm going to so. go to Denny's and when I come back, I'm going to hack, I'm going to hack that $10,000 cabinet apart and make it look <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I tell my guys trips cost money. Yeah. And so you have to, whatever you have to do, you got to do it in that trip. Mm-hmm. So a trip back is so expensive. Um, and so that a lot of people in the trades don't realize just little simple things like that. Yeah. And so they lose money constantly. Yeah. So. It also makes everybody's job a lot harder when you're, Absolutely. you know, if you're, yeah. if you're scheduled out, you know, and your, your cabinet install is going to take three days and yeah. your guys leave for two. I mean, it, it happens. And so, sometimes, sometimes things get screwed up, but I know I was talking to you out, out there one day and you're like, Oh yeah, my brother just move that water line. Yeah. I was like the whole thing, <laughs> the whole line, um, which is, which is pretty awesome. And I'm also interested. Um, so your cabinets are, I will say are different than other people's. It looks like you are, um, you're trying to be slightly ahead or largely ahead of the curve of whatever the new styles coming in. And like the, mm-hmm. the new, I guess, technology and cabinets mm-hmm. and, and craftsmanship and trying to make it reasonable still. Yeah, so I would say my cabinetry is different for the North Alabama area, but it's nothing new. Um, so we we I, we call it Frame Zero. Uh, a lot of people refer to it as frameless or European style, or another word that we like to use is full access cabinetry. <clears throat> um, been around forever. Um, 
it's very prevalent on the West Coast, very prevalent everywhere in Europe or every, every, everywhere in the country. I mean, in the world, not in the country. Um, and there's systems that come with that. So, again, as I mentioned, we're a True32 certified cabinet company. Mm-hmm. And, and what so does that mean? The 32 millimeter system for cabinetry was actually uh, developed after World War II. Uh, so again, it's not it's it's nothing new. Like this has been around forever. But essentially, in a nutshell, there's a lot of things that the way you engineer a cabinet, you can fully customize a cabinet. But there's certain aspects of the engineering that everything is divisible by 32 millimeters. Mm. And so all of your shelf pin holes, all of your machine holes, uh, they're all divisible by 32 millimeter system. And everything that like your uh, drawer guides or your door hinges, all all of those things were developed for that system. Mm-hmm. It came out of World War II because they needed to rebuild cities quickly. Why? Cities were <laughs> <laughs> Maybe in Germany, yeah. France. Uh, so they needed things to be built quickly. And so that's why that system was developed. Um, and I guess the idea is you standardize enough uh, and you make it so that there you can go from one job site to the next there's less uh, time trying to translate to that particular design. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so, and everything just works very well in that system. Um, so it's been around for a long time. Uh, definitely, I would say it's a little foreign to our area, but it also, so a traditional, so I always tell people cabinets are boxes yeah. mm-hmm. and it's the exterior that makes, you know, that's what makes them look good. Um, and so basically a, what we think is an outdated cabinet box or a traditional cabinet box would be a cabinet box. And then you apply a wood frame to it. Mm -hmm. And then your door either overlays or insets that frame. And so because you have that frame, uh, it has to be wood. And so that limits you to stain or paint for your selections. And so we do frame zero where there is no frame and we stay within the 32 millimeter system, which can only be done with the full access type of cabinetry box and so that opens you up to a lot of possibilities. You're not stuck with paint or stain. You can do a lot of interesting things. Like we specialize in high gloss acrylics mm-hmm. and alternative materials. Um, and so we're the only one in this in North Alabama that have the capabilities to do that. Mm-hmm. And so we've actually been we've we've been contacted from people in Birmingham. We've done a job in Atlanta. Oh wow! Uh, so it's really there's not a lot of people in this region doing it. Um, and then we had a, a, someone from Tupelo, Mississippi, um, they're building a house in Smith Lake and, um, they searched Atlanta, Birmingham, everywhere. And we were the only people that could do what they, they wanted to do. It's does, like a, does that rule out, um, like if you want to redo, uh, do, you don't do any refaces then? No, uh, we get that question a lot. Uh, that's not, our business is to sell cabinetry. Right. And so refinishing cabinetry is not selling new cabinetry. Right. Yeah. And that's why there's companies dedicated to refinishing cap, you know, cabinets, uh, which is not recommended. Um, yeah. Right. It's Just not going to last. No. The whole thing. Yeah. yeah. I saw you posted on your social media, which it's Oldwood custom cabinets. Mm-hmm. Um, go. Chris that's does right. a really, do you, do you run the social media? I do all the social media. Yeah. So Chris does a really good job um, on social media. Um, keep kind of keeping up to date and what he's doing and the cool stuff he's doing, like the acrylic, I'm guessing you just, posted about that shiny red cabinet yeah mm-hmm. that's those acrylic are, yeah those are acrylic i figured because i look at them i'm like that's wild 
Like yeah. that's a wild thing. Like yeah. I'll have to show them to you after the, they're like super red and shiny, like really clean cabinets. It's kind of cool. Um, let me, let me jump in with a question. Unless sure. you, do you have a follow up to that? No, go ahead. So, so you talked about processes earlier and mm-hmm. like you studied the processes. It sounds like so that you can be more efficient. Can you go into a little more depth? Like, um, I've seen your shop before. It's mm-hmm. clean. Mm-hmm. Everything's got a place, which is not common. Right. Yes. And uh, I've seen, so I do consulting for cabinet companies all over the country. And so I get to see a lot of cabinet companies. Right. Oh, you so. do? That's oh, cool. Yeah. That's yeah. really cool. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. So how do you, uh, what, what kind of things do you do in order to improve your efficiency? So we are, uh, again, with, to be true 32 certified, um, that also comes with you have to be what we call flow manufacturing. Yeah. And so flow manufacturing is a combination of three manufacturing principles. So lean manufacturing. Yep. Uh, theory of constraints. Yes. I'm, I'm a, a huge fan of that. Uh, I am. So I'm a big theory of constraints guy. That's yeah. what I read the goal. And that changed how I did business entirely. Right. It changed my life essentially. Um, can we get a brief what the theory of constraints is from either one of you? So I'll, I'll do it in yeah. the, the, yeah. Uh, the applied version of it. All systems have a constraint, mm-hmm. all systems. So what you do is you identify what that constraint is in that system. And the way you do it is you look for where the bottleneck is. Like, so if I were manufacturing potbelly stoves mm-hmm. and I want to improve throughput because the more potbelly stoves I uh, sell, mm-hmm. that, that's more money. But if I have this log jam, this bottleneck of potbelly stoves that are waiting to go into the furnace to get uh, the enamel baked in, mm-hmm. well, I found my constraint. Gotcha. And so you look for that buildup, and what you do is you isolate it, and you, you do a, you know, a quick cost-benefit analysis. If, if I improve that throughput, if I get a second furnace, how mm-hmm. much is that going to cost, and how much is that going to increase the throughput? So you, you isolate that constraint, and then you manage that constraint. That might be the constraint whether or not you get two or not. Gotcha. Uh, you might want to keep that the constraint because mm-hmm. that constraint might move to some other area that you really don't want to manage that. You want to manage it here. Gotcha. That's fine. Just as long as you know what it is. And uh, I don't know if you want to. Tap yeah. Into that. And so another point to that is uh, a constraint uh, is usually a bottleneck, but it doesn't have to be a constraint can be a policy mm-hmm. that you have. Uh, so it's not always a physical thing. And a, a good visual of theory of constraints and the bottleneck is, so if you envision a chain, if you had a metal chain, mm-hmm. and in the middle of that metal chain, you replaced one of the chains with a plastic chain, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how strong the rest of the chain is, that, that's, that plastic chain is the weak point. Right. And so that's what, so the five pillars of theory of constraints is identify the constraint, exploit the constraint, mm-hmm. subordinate everything to that constraint, constraint, and then elevate the constraint, and then repeat. So you're, so in like cabinetry, I could go to any cabinet shop, and the first thing I start looking at is their finishing department because okay. that is always, typically always, the bottleneck for a cabinet company. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't matter how many cabinets that they can like cut out or how many doors they can produce in a day. If it's more than what finishing department can handle Mm -hmm. that's the constraint and so you want to do everything you can to alleviate the bottleneck or to support the bottleneck because that is it's again kind of like an hourglass like it's that bottleneck area so that's what's controlling your throughput is the finishing department typically just adding more manpower 
Is that how you get through that? Is that what you're talking about? It's a long process. Uh, and so that's why I've always heavily invested in our finishing, which is another reason why we went to full access cabinetry is because we can bypass a frame that has to be finished mm -hmm. and we can have materials that don't need to be finished. So okay. acrylics and uh, decorative laminates, uh, those things can bypass the finish rooms, increasing my throughput. Gotcha. Um, and again, that's part of theory of constraints thinking is mm -hmm. I could be, I could have one job, a painted job that is going through the finish department. And then I can have a job that doesn't need any finishing, just bypass that. And gotcha. you, you have like double the throughput at that gotcha. point. So. Did, did you, you said you read the goal. Did you read uh, uh, critical chain? Uh, I don't think I've read critical chain, but, um, I just read, so, uh, Ellie Goldratt was the writer of the goal. Uh, he's passed away, uh, but he was writing his final book, which is like the, the sequel to the goal. And it just got released. His kids finished it. Um, can't remember the name of it, but it's really good. It did his daughter pretty much finish the book. She I, did. I read that mm -hmm. one and it's like his Eli Goldratt's thinking. Mm -hmm. And like yep. applied to anything. So it was pretty interesting, but critical chain, he wrote that one also, but it yep. was theory of constraints applied to project management. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. it's really good. You, you would uh, enjoy that. Yeah. I'll yeah, have to read it. I would read the goal. Cause that's like, it's kind of long, but it's, it's a textbook that teaches you theory of constraints, but it's a novel form. Okay. It's where really you, you just like learn along with the main character of the book, like these, these concepts and, and definitely in build home building, you can, mm -hmm. you can apply the same things. I read it every year. Or listen to it. And it's a really good audiobook to listen. It's like 11 hours. But oh, uh, it's, again, it's it's told in a, it's a novel, essentially. Yeah. And it's really good. So um, so are you constrained now by, by install, by manpower specifically? Or is it? So, I mean, again, you're constantly looking for the next constraint to yeah. break. I did think that installation was a part of that. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think it is right now, but it, I have been questioning that. So. Yeah. I'm just wondering because when you get to a point like that, like hiring more people seems like the easy answer, but then sometimes it's not always, it's, it. not, no. it's not the easy answer. So as a business owner, you're like, well, if I hired, I don't know, I'm just gonna throw in four more people. I could probably install this many more jobs, Yeah, but that comes with, you know, a whole, you want to hire the right people. And if you, and if you hire and they're the wrong people, it could be a bigger problem. So, and I could outsource it, but again, the type of cabinetry we do, our installations have to be perfect, right? Because we only allow for a two to three millimeter reveal on all of our stuff. So mm -hmm. it's not like slapping a cabinet up and screwing it into the wall. Right. And so thinking through that process of theory of constraints and possibly my installation being a constraint and you know, it does not help to hire more people. Right. And I don't have a install crew. I've got like three install crews that I've never used, but I keep in my back pocket just in case. That are not part of uh, Old Wood Custom Cabinets technically? That's right. Okay. Uh, but they're not used to our type of cabinetry. So my way of thinking is, okay, so now how do I develop a training program to, tr to create a whole new thing that's out there in Huntsville for there's cabinet installers that are certified in this type of cabinetry. So is that's that kind of where my thinking is. Is that something you're working on? That's yeah. cool. Yep. That's really cool. Yeah. If you, if you came up with some like standardizing a process, we have it, we have all those processes, you know, written down. Uh, it's just creating a way. And there, I have a lot of avenues that I could probably have those done through, but yeah. Um, yeah. If you had like a crew cruise throughout the area that were old wood custom cabinet, install certified 
that's a that's a pretty cool thought. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Because you're like, oh, these guys know how to install cabinets. It's like your freelance guys that you could call up. Yeah. Because yep. uh, I've dealt with, I mean, I've dealt with cabinet installers, and a lot of times the companies will outsource. Like, like, yeah. like a lot of times they don't have um, like a like an on the payroll crew that that's comes right. to work every day. It's just these guys they send out, yep. and those guys get paid per job. Mm-hmm. So the longer it takes them to do it, the, yeah. the you know the less money they make technically. So those guys just rip and go and make really bad decisions in the job right. and in the field if you're not there watching them. Like we just, you know, this didn't fit, so we just cut it in half. You yeah, know, that, yeah. that, that kind of stuff. And you're like, why would you make that decision? So it is pretty cool to, I think that's what makes partly makes you guys unique is your installs are so good. Like there's, you know, which is why in my brain it's really cool to have like if you had other crews that were working, it's like, oh, well, I'm old wood custom cabinet yeah. install certified. Um, is a pretty cool thing. So let's talk a little bit about, so Chris does, um, a lot of custom stuff and remodels. How, what, what is your ratio new to remodel? We've always been heavily involved in remodels. It's been, you know, it's probably been about 50, 50 for a long time remodels versus new construction. Uh, I think new construction definitely has slowed down, yeah. uh, and yeah. remodels have picked up. Sure. And again, it's just, it's kind of funny to see that because that's how, you know, when my dad and brother got out of home building, they knew people would invest in their own homes because they weren't going to go out. hundred percent. And so we started heavily in remodels and uh, we've always kept our foot very heavily in, in that. And plus two, uh, I like to spread out my business. Like a lot of cabinet companies will say, okay, well, you know, Joe Schmo, he's now my builder and I only work for him. Right. I think that's a terrible idea because if you put all your eggs in one basket and that basket tips over, uh, you lose all your eggs. Uh, So I like to keep my percentage of independent clients and that's where a lot of, a lot of independent clients are remodels Yeah, because they're doing, you know, someone could do the kitchen themselves and never hire a contractor. And so that's a one and done deal, but, and they do pay more because they're an independent client. Yeah. but we've, I've always heavily marketed because a, a lot of, if you look at Google reviews for other cabinet companies, one thing that you will see a lot is they said they're not taking on new business yeah. and they gave them a one star and gotcha. it, they will, cause they have Joe Schmo builder as their builder and that and cabinet company only it. wants to work for them. And so they get a bad name because they turn down indep- independent clients. Right. So I think you're positioned really interestingly because, you know, as interest rates go up, people want to just invest into the home they already have. Mm-hmm. And then as if, when they fluctuate, people are more willing to buy homes. So you get more business from, from new builders. Yep. But as you, but since you can do both, I mean, that's a pretty big, you know, a, a pretty big advantage over other people. Yep. Um, so saying that you do do custom homes and you deal with clients specifically, mm-hmm. um, give us a couple, some of your, cause always dealing with homeowners is tough. Always. Um, there's, there's some good ones and some bad ones and there's some really crazy ones. Have you ever had any crazy requests, like people that you could just couldn't ration with, um, stuff like that? Hmm. He's like, no, all my clients are perfect. And if I really do custom <laughs> cabinets, uh, come to me anytime I'm taking on new clients. <laughs> uh, we really do have good clients. I mean, obviously we've had, I mean, very rare, um, uh, just negative, interactions with people or something didn't go well. And those have always been because again, I am very systems based and that's Mm -hmm. the way I've made my company. And 
so my big thing is trying to educate people mm-hmm. and trying to, cause again, that system only works if everybody's in it right. operating within that system. Yeah, so the client has it. a responsibility in that as well. Yeah. <clears throat> and so a lot of people that are used to, um, uh, you know, I don't even like to call it an old school method of business, but just, uh, you know, that are used to bad business have a hard time being a part of that system. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are the only cases that have ever been somewhat sour. In my brain, what's hard about remodels for you, for a cabinet builder specifically, is if I'm redoing my kitchen, 99% of the time, the focal point is going to be the cabinets. That's the main thing. Mm-hmm. Like I'm redoing the whole kitchen, but it's cabinets. That's really what I'm doing. So you have to go in and draw it. Mm-hmm. You know, be, before anybody really gets to work yep. because people are going to move sinks, they're mm-hmm. going to move dishwashers, they're going to move microwaves. And so you have to come in and draw these plans, give them to the people, and then they're going to be responsible for giving them to the said electrician, plumber, mm-hmm. all these guys. And surely those guys make mistakes and and miss things. And But you're the guy that, that jumps off on it. You're like, I drew it. Here's the things. That's mm-hmm. in my brain where the, where the conflict comes up because a plumber's going to miss electrician's probably going to miss things are going to happen and you kind of have to either, um, you know, if it's too much for you guys to move, you have to deal with the client at that point. And there's probably a point of contention. Yeah. And really in those cases, I mean, that does happen. And, you know, even people that hire an architect to draw the initial plans, even for remodels, those plans are only go so far. So many people depend on cabinetry yeah. plans. Uh, and so the design work is very important uh, that we do. And our designs are always spot on. Um, sure, people miss things. Uh, but because, again, we've brought the client in, because, um, you know, we're educating them at the same time and bringing them into the system. And, you know, again, you guys talked about, it, you know, we have an app. Everyone's on there. All the information's in one place. So we really leave, we don't leave room for excuses for anybody. Right. And so if someone does mess up, it's very easy for someone to say, oh, yeah, it was the electrician or or whatever. So we don't really have to deal with that on a builders can be difficult sometimes. Cause they just were, that's another thing that we're trying to change about the industry is for some, somehow over the last 20 years, uh, you know, cabinetry is a very expensive part of your home Mm -hmm. and very important part. There's not a single house that doesn't have cabinetry in it. A hundred percent. And it's built-in furniture. And so somehow we've gone to this place where, uh, because I guess contractors are just trying to be quicker, mm-hmm. um, especially over the last, you know, 10 years where the housing market has just been booming, um, you know, they'll want us to get in there before they even sand hardwood floorings. And so, you know, that's the biggest difficulty for me is trying to change the industry in that mindset because it's like, why would you, I, I actually ask clients, I'm like, you know, builders are pushing us to install cabinets before like flooring's down or before flooring sanded. And I'm like, okay, well, would you move your furniture into the house right now? Mm-hmm. Uh, like if we install cabinetry on these floors and then the sand, the flooring contractor comes in with a big sander and he's just like ramming it against the cabinets <laughs> and destroying them. This just happens. Yeah. And people are just so used to, you know, everyone thinks shoe mold is included. Well, shoe mold looks ugly around cabinetry. So, yeah. um, you know, it just covers up. Why don't you change the process again? Home building is not a system. It's bad habits. Yeah. And so somebody learns a bad habit. You know, someone's working for a contractor. They learn bad habits. They decide to go, 
be their own contractor mm -hmm. and they just continue those bad habits right. and then it just steamrolls. And so that's one of the things that I'm trying to help the industry with is to make it more of a systems-based mm -hmm. industry rather than a system of bad habits. Yes. That, that so. kind of goes back to what you were talking about that, and you were talking about also, Dusty, where um, you could be a good home builder, you could be a good cabinet maker, you could be a good finished carpenter, but if you're not a good businessman, mm -hmm. you're going to make bad decisions based off of your sloppy business practices. Mm -hmm. And you, you got customer, you're the home builder and you have customers screaming, I need to get in this house like next month. Yeah. And cause we're hosting Thanksgiving or Christmas or whatever. And so now they're pushing you, mm -hmm. the cabinet maker, Hey, I need this installed next week. Yeah. And then, and then now you have to resolve that conflict, which you, you know, it's not good for the customer, but they yeah. don't realize it because the builder saying X. Right. Yeah. We see that a lot. And I, we, we tell people like if they're pushing, so that's fine. We'll, we we want to do whatever is going to be best for the overall project. Mm -hmm. uh, we want things to move along as well, but we let people know, again, it's just communication. Mm -hmm. Hey, we're going to put these cabinets in. This, the flooring contractor is probably going to mess them up, and you're going to need shoe molding. We're just letting you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, again, I think it's a lot of place. A lot of times contractors aren't communicating well with the homeowner, so they right. – don't know. So that's right. What about your tooling and stuff that you have in your shop? Cause I was in there and again, there's a lot of uh, different types of tooling that I've seen in other places and uh, you can improve efficiency. Now, if you have an old school guy mm -hmm. that like, Hey, I do everything with a crosscut saw. That's how I operate. I don't yeah. need a skill saw. I don't need this. I don't need that. And then you have to kind of work that out. So what, what kind of tooling do you have to improve your processes? Yeah, that's actually a really good question. So I, we used to have a lot more tooling. Um, and, but my theory is if you don't use something in six months, you sell it. Mm -hmm. um, so we used to have, because we used to do all manufacturing aspects in our facility. Um, and then we started outsourcing our, so again, four or five years ago, I was faced with a decision. Okay, well, I know a CNC machine is necessary mm -hmm. to cut box parts because they're accurate and you can machine a lot of things on those box parts. And consistent. Uh, yeah. Uh, I also knew that was going to cost a lot of money. Yeah. And I was going to, because I'm also, so old wood custom cabinets is debt free. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm a big believer in that for a business. Um, and so I was, okay, well, I can go into a great amount of debt. And it's not just buying the machine. It's the maintenance on the machine. It's the constant tooling. You know, you still have to staff someone using that machine. Yeah. Um, and so that's when I partnered with a company in Kentucky that has 12 CNC machines. Mm -hmm. And so that's what they do. I, my design program is tied into their CNC machines. So mm -hmm. whatever I design, their machines are going to cut for me. Gotcha. It's just outsourcing that part of it. And so... That led to some other creative aspects of our business uh, to increase throughput and to increase the quality of our product. And so we started using some of the old-fashioned machines that you would say. Uh, and eventually, it was like two or, th two or three Christmases ago, I mean, I sold all kinds of equipment. And uh, again, following to that lean principle of, you know, eliminate waste. Right. And so... You don't want things in the way. You don't want you don't want anything on your floor that's not going to be used. You don't want it to be conf too many tools because it's confusing for people coming in. So we really try to minimize that, uh, and we're proud of what we've d been able to do with that. And we've been moving towards um, a lot of uh, cordless tools, and um, we use a lot of um, 
European tooling as well. So uh, we're uh, most of our stuff is Festool. If you've never heard of that, yeah, it's a German company. Solid I bet it shop. is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think Mabry has some stock in Festool. Yeah. Uh, but, um, so yeah, we're constantly improving our tooling. It's so funny because in the early days, it was like, oh, the bigger the machine, the better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now it's it's so different. It's like, we could, everything that we need for a job, we could probably pack into a small van. Everything is in these small cases. It's all cordless. Um, it's just so funny how... And again, tooling is constantly being advanced, and so it's just funny to see how that's you, from big to small. So you provide all the tools for your guys in the field. Oh yeah, oh, that's yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, that's unusual. I think. Yeah, I think most guys have to buy their own. Their own. If they're an independent contractor, yeah. but my people are, you know, they're employees, so they so. get the best. They get the top of the German food chain, baby. Well, I do. I do. I, yeah, I like to spend money on tools. Yeah, so. well, that's a good thing to spend on when yeah. you're. In, um, I'm gonna say one thing, and then we can. Uh, then we can jump off. But um, so Chris does amazing cabinets. You don't have to take my word for it. You can literally go on Oldwood Custom Cabinets Instagram. You can go onto his website, oldwoodcustomcabinets.com, um, and check out all this stuff. But he does a really good job, I said before, on social media. But I'm going to say this. Um, while me and Laura were in the hospital giving birth to our baby, Chris came into our house. Uh, and I trust this guy. Invited. Enough. I gave him a key. He asked. I me. broke in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I gave him a key, or I let him know where a key was. He didn't use it. He just broke in yeah. just to see if he could do it. That sounds um, right. But he installed cabinets in our laundry room while we were away. And so Laura didn't really know. It was going to be a surprise to her when she got home. She didn't have anything else to think about, so I figured she'd be excited about yeah. when she got home. Um, but now, I'm not joking when I say this. She has said the sentence. Now the rest of our cabinets look like crap. Yeah. <laughs> so Chris, they do. The, True thirty two. Yeah, thanks, <laughs> uh, thanks, Chris. Yeah. Uh, but he, uh, he actually, I'll take a picture so so Abby the intern can post my cabinets. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so he, you can see. But so Chris did two things. Um, Laura is the most indecisive person I've ever met. She can't make a decision. And Chris wanted to meet in the morning to get some like like when we were talking about installing to get some ideas from her. And I told, I was like, you're not going to get, get this out of her in, in this short amount of time. And he said, trust me, this is what I do for a living. And I said, well, I live with her. So I think I'll know. (laughs) But Chris was able to get her in a pretty short amount of time dialed down to an actual decision, which is very unlikely with for Laura in one day. Yeah. Um, and then came and installed and the cabinets are freaking awesome. So, um, if you are looking for new cabinets, you know, anywhere, you should give this guy a look for sure. So you have anything else? No, uh, I'm good. Um, wait, one more question. Oh, yeah, good. Yeah, absolutely. Go for it. What, so volume wise, it's dependent on your customer base, but how many employees do you have that are doing like full-time employees? There are four people total, including myself. We'll probably had a, a we've are usually up to five, uh, but we've been, I've been experimenting with some things. So, um, We've been with four for a while now. I'm looking at hiring a guy towards the end of the year, beginning of next year. And so, but I also have a um, virtual CFO. Mm-hmm. We meet once a month and a virtual receptionist. So people not taking up space in my facilities. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's amazing. And so four people and we're, we'll do, uh, I think probably 1.5 million this year. Uh, Installs. And, 
Uh, it's just three, three, uh, customers. yeah, I'm very open about all that stuff. We'll just probably do about 1.5 and, but the big, you know, anyone can sell $1.5 million worth of cabinets, uh, and still not be profitable. But sure, we're right. right now we're hanging on to about a 28% net profit. That's fantastic. Um, and so, um, 28% net. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah. So you have four, I didn't realize this. You have four guys. Including, including myself. Him. So you have th- three. So you have and you one and of those is your brother. Guys. Yeah. Yep. I don't think I realized that you guys, that, mm-hmm. that you only had that many people. We're probably doing on average about two kitchens a week. That's fantastic, man. Yep. Yeah. You got it. You got it dialed in. Yeah. Good. Um, Chris, thanks for being on. Yeah. I texted Chris last minute. I talked to Adam the other day at the gym and I was like, we should have Chris Mason on. I think he would come on and talk because I'm always interested because I've been recently been saying, oh, what custom cabinets a lot at work because we've had some mm-hmm. with uh, higher interest rates. We have people that are that have a lot more money yeah. that are interested in building custom yeah, homes right. um, that are less affected by the interest rate. And they're always like, I don't think you're going to be able to make me happy with the cabinets. And I was like, I think you might be wrong. Yeah. So, um, but I appreciate you coming on. Appreciate it. Yeah, it was fun. And um, another theory of constraints fan. I love that. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah, you, guys, like, you guys yeah. can nerd out about it. Oh, yeah. It would be great. Also, a new website dropping in probably about a week or a two. A new website mm-hmm. is going to be oldwoodcustomcabinets.com. It will be. Okay, yeah. Great. It'll be so, the same website. It's just completely different and very informative and educational and a lot of cool. We products. will post on our Instagram when the new website drops. Yes. Yeah. Abby the intern will Abby the intern will take care of it. And uh, Abby the intern will also try to make a link to click somewhere here. Yeah. In that spot. In this spot for Oba <laughs> Custom. I'll use my thumb. Yeah, in the uh, at the Instagram and the in the website. So thanks, Chris. Until yeah, next thanks. time. Thanks for having me. Thank you guys. Bye.